Welcome to Talking Success with Asma Mir, in partnership with Withers, the international law firm. Benevolence and consciousness are two things that are very important to me. No one could ever put more pressure on me than I put on myself. I'm doing a job which I absolutely love with people I really, really enjoy, and that's been the case throughout my career. I'm Asma Mir, and this is a series where successful people reveal the defining moments of their careers and, indeed, their lives. Because we all face moments of crisis, it's how we respond that makes all the difference. What you present to people is always the best of you. Every day I encounter difficulties, I encounter challenges, I have failures, and I am not embarrassed to say I have failures. Today I'm speaking with Michelle Chen, the founder of Rare Skin Fuel, a skincare brand that uses organic ingredients. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me and how wonderful does your skin look today? <laughs> Hi Asma, thank you for having me today. You're very welcome. I'm going to begin with one of our uh, big questions. What is the first big decision that you remember making? There are obviously a lot of the big decisions that I had to make in my life, but I think the biggest one is definitely moving to Hong Kong 10 years ago because I left my family, come to a new city that I wasn't um, familiar with. So not knowing what's going to happen, this city changed my life, literally. And I had my daughter here and also got a divorce here, started my business here. <laughs> Everything new about me really started in the city. And was it a difficult decision to make? Well, if I wanted to save my marriage, moving to Hong Kong, there was definitely the choice to make. That decision totally changed my life. I feel like my life in US and my life in Hong Kong, it's two different lives and two different Michelles. And without knowing what was going to happen I can't see myself being the way I am if I had stayed in San Francisco, honestly. I feel like moving to Hong Kong, had a baby here, started my business here. I, I wouldn't know what my life would be if I had lived in San Francisco, but um, I think moving to Hong Kong definitely was a good choice. <laughs> Otherwise, um, I wouldn't be able to achieve um, what I have today. I read somewhere that you started working as a teenager, pretty young in San Francisco, and others might have been focusing on their social life. So how young were you? What were you doing? And why do you think you were already fixed on, on the business world at such a young age? I think it's a different culture in Asia and San Francisco. I think in US, kids started working early. Part of the reason is because they have to pay for their cars, right? Because living in suburb, if you want to drive a cool car, you have to make car payment. So my first job, I was pretty bold. I got a working permit from high school. So I was able to work even though I wasn't legally allowed to work until I was 16. The legal age is 16. But then because I knew if I just worked in a regular part-time job, I was not going to be able to make a difference. And I would just be paying for my tuition and paying for the car payment. So I ended up going to another school. So I was quite lucky, but it was a tough job. It was like I had to go to school like in the morning, like 6.50. And then I would leave school 1 or 2 p.m. to go to another school. So I was able to get my multimedia design degree. And I was very lucky I had the degree multimedia design because it was during dot-com, you know, the Silicon Valley, all the startup back then, the internet was new. So there was a lot of startup in Silicon Valley that needed to, you know, do a lot of hirings, recruiting, so then they could go IPO. So 
that was the trend back then. So I was very lucky that I got a, a graphic design job, age 16, 17. Very lucky. I got my first stock option in age 17. <laughs> I was very lucky. Yeah, so then, um, so I guess that feeling of making real money made me uh, want to go higher, you know, because I wasn't uh, making like a few hundred dollars here and there. I was literally making annual salary with a stock option <laughs> and driving a nice car, new car, and then spending lots of credit cards, which I couldn't pay at the end. So it was all life experience for me. <laughs> but then, uh, <laughs> you know, seriously, I, I declined all my cards in the end. I had to go to a collection. <laughs> collection agency and consolidate the, you know all the cards payments into one payment I lived like that before but to me it was all experience because mm. had I stayed in Asia because I wasn't born in San Francisco I was born in Taiwan I only moved to U.S. when I was um, 12 if I had stayed in Taiwan I never moved to U.S. perhaps I would only be experiencing my first job in my 20s after college but then because the fact that I moved to U.S. and then I started working in a real job early, I felt that I lived my life 10 years earlier than rest of the people at my age. Mm. I was only 28 years old when I moved to Hong Kong, ready to retire because I already worked about 10 years of my life from 16 to 28. That's 10 years of work. Mm. Can you explain to me, so we've kind of missed a step. You, you had your graphic design work. Yes. And then you decided to build your own business and it's very successful. But what was the kind of process? Was that an overnight thing? You just thought, hang on a sec, I can do this thing, or this is my vision, mm. or was it a gradual process? It was a gradual process. I only did graphic design job for about five years. But keep in mind, five years, I was only 21 year old. And I didn't graduate college yet back then. So by the time I graduated college, I knew if I stayed in this graphic design position for another five to 10 years, I would not be learning anything new besides learning the new programs. So I decided, look, I have to go back to school and do something that's different than what I'm already doing, making real money. So I went back to school. I got to my merchandising degree. Um, so it's total different field than what I studied in college. Um, so I did a fashion merchandise marketing. So that's where I learned my education in retail marketing. You know, how do you market a product? But then not working in a retail office wouldn't give me the real a full picture of how retail runs. So when I say retail, I'm not talking about working in a store retail. I'm actually talking about behind the scene, which is the headquarter. So I remember they only hired two graduates um, in the buying office of Mervyn's department store. Back then, Mervyn's department store, it's a huge retail company, kind of like Macy's. They have, uh, they had, because it went bankrupt, they had 100 department stores throughout the nation. Um, so I was working in the headquarter. Um, my job was to decide which store to get what merchandise and how many pieces. So I was able to learn how you sell through the merchandise. I was able to learn how to price the products. I worked a lot with the buyers, with the financial planners, how you price the goods. So that's where I actually learned all the retail experience behind the scene. And what was it about skincare? Why did you become interested in skincare? I always loved skincare, even when I wasn't working. I remember, I still remember, I was very young, 12 and 13 years old. Um, I actually, uh, I 
I, I don't want to say I stole my grandma's samples because those are samples. But <laughs> you know how like uh, 20 years ago, you know, the uh, Shiseidos would always give you those little small mm. pieces and she would just put them in the cabinets. She didn't know, but uh, I'm, I was always conscious about my skin. So then I would actually grab them and use it on myself that she doesn't know, actually. Mm. So I, I don't know if that's considered like sh- we were sharing. Yeah, we were sharing. Of course sharing. it's sharing. It's your family. <laughs> what, what, I'm just I'm interested. Yeah. Why were you conscious about your skin? Because I never like to wear cosmetics or makeup. I wouldn't say I'm a lazy person in the morning. I just want to get out of the house. You know, because seriously, I had a very busy schedule growing up because I was working a job in a full-time school and I was going to two schools, you know, in the morning, I really only had a 10 minutes in the morning to get ready. And then there was a time when I was in high school, kids in US, you know what they do during recess? They go to bathroom and then they touch up makeup, right? That was what that the kids at nine-year-old, 10-year-old does. So you mm-hmm. feel like you have to fit in as well. So you, I started buying cosmetics too. I started putting mm-hmm. on makeup. But if you compare the photos of myself with and without makeup, I actually feel my myself looking younger without makeup. So that's why, um, so when I started my business, I was thinking, um, you know, I, I, I am going to create a business because I'm going to create a brand. So what product am I going to sell? What products will make me feel like, oh, I, I'm happy to do this job because it's the products I will be using every single day. Hmm. So I knew building your own business, you definitely have to find the products, make the products and even use the products that you know that mm-hmm. you would be in interested of using for ever like for the rest of your life so that's why it was skincare so in terms of beauty and skincare I find it fascinating actually I have to say and my kind of approach to skincare over the years has obviously changed I'm 49 now it's more of a necessity than before when it was just kind of dabbling but I'm really interested in the, the industry side of things because natural, cruelty-free, sustainable. They're all buzzwords in in beauty right now. There's so many brands now. Mm. There used to just be a few. Your brand, uh, Rare Skin Fuel, I think aims to try to change the industry. Now, I wonder if that commitment, does it come with any kind of impact on your revenue stream? Or are we beyond that now? Are, Are people now embracing this? Whereas before it was very much, you know, people, people had kind of two choices. I always thought if I wanted to delay my aging process, I would need to use um, pills that requires 20% of AHA or acid to stimulate the cell growth. That's my impression. Until I went to Australia in August 2018, started sourcing the manufacturer to making my products, um, I was totally scolded. <laughs> I remember when I said, no, everything, why is everything in Australia all natural (laughs) so I actually couldn't buy anything to even to try or to make them I was thinking if I am going to make my own products I myself need to be the user right so if I don't trust and don't believe uh, natural how can anybody else buy my product right but then I was given a lesson about skincare manufacturing and also why natural products are really better than uh, chemically made skincare products. Chemicals are actually processed uh, ingredients. Chemicals are still made from natural ingredients. They're just being hugely 
processed so that they can last longer. Our bodies do not build antibodies against、um, natural ingredients. Then I was thinking, yeah, it makes sense because at some point I was buying products is always top of the line. Every brands you can see in the market, I probably use them already. But then after I open the jar after few uses, I don't see the results. Um, as initially when I first opened the jar, so that was first of all I was、uh, given a lesson on why natural ingredients is actually better than、um, chemically made ingredients. Because、um, as she was telling me, the chemist, if you use beyond the recommended percentage, you can literally burn your skin, and that's how powerful the active ingredients are. And the reason why I think I can change、um, this skincare industry is because. The The way we manufacture our ingredients is also different. But is that more expensive? The way that you manufacture stuff? it is very expensive. I often got these questions all the time. But there are questions which relates to my、uh, reason of making this product series is because they work. They work for my entire family. Sometimes I look at my my products like they're soy sauce, <laughs> they're mayonnaise, like they're consumables, and I know they're very expensive. But in the long run, you're actually saving a lot of money because people are constantly looking for new brands. They are buying products from、uh, reading magazines, ads. Instagram, social, you know, social media influencers. They buy products based on. Ads basically, but they're not actually buying products based on the ingredients, which is why I think in the future this will change. Definitely, I started to see this already. People are actually reading the ingredients, and they're not buying brands. If you see the most expensive brands out in the market, you、um, look at the back label. There's nothing you can read. If you can't even pronounce those ingredients, how can you be sure that they are safe to be used on your skin? And what has it been like heading a business like this during a pandemic? I saw the pandemic as an opportunity. It did affect me. It did affect a lot of people. But I still think this pandemic also helped new brands to have better opportunities to thrive because the bigger brands, the established brands, or the traditional brands. Because they are so well established, so their overhead is much bigger. It's harder to sustain. But for new brands, for startups, they're very focused and they know what they're doing, and they're like go getter. <laughs> so, for me as well,、um, we only launched this brand in October 2019, but somehow、um, everything kind of went according to our plan. You know, I just actually did a panel speaking just recently, and I remember there was one question that was being asked: What do you have to give your advice to for 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 people who want to start business? I remember my most genuine answer was: Don't have a business plan. <laughs> Don't have a business plan. No, trust your intuition. The minute that you wake up, you know what you want to do today. Then. Schedule them, and you just go for it because nothing will go according to your plan. I used to be a very scheduled person. Everything needs to be this way. I set schedules, and I said everything needs to be perfectly、uh, planned. But then your disappointment also will come from the things that don't work out according to your plan. My advice basically is: when you want to start a business, it's good to have a structure, but don't live in that structure. 
you just have to kind of um, it's very situational. Like you said, the world is changing. The viewpoints are are different. Every day we're being influenced. You know, be inspired. Every day you're changing. Can you tell me why? And you must know at the age of almost forty, why are you successful? What is it about you? Okay, what is it about me? <laughs> I always have my smile on. Trust me, every. <laughs> I think,、uh, I think my it's my attitude towards life. It's my attitude. It has to be my attitude. I mean, people don't actually know the pain, or the people ask don't actually know the difficulties in life. Because what you present to people is always the best of you, right? Every day, I. Encounter difficulties. I encounter challenges. I have failures, and I am not embarrassed to say I have failures. But then,、um, I, I wasn't born to be this positive. When I struggle, I, I do struggle, and it hit me sometimes. But then I know that's just really temporary. It's it's really temporary.、Um, in life, you will have struggle. But then the struggles will not be permanent. So if you could use that formula and apply for the next challenge, then you know that this is just a cycle. This is a cycle. So I do. I allow myself to be mad. I allow myself to take a break. I allow myself to face these challenges and these、uh, failures. But I don't dwell on these difficulties. And then、uh, when you pass these obstacles, then you just think, oh, those were actually. Just chapters of your book because it's not the end yet. It's definitely my attitude. Is there a decision that perhaps you have made that you did not enjoy making? I mean, obviously, you know, business is about weighing things up and then making a decision. But is there one that you really struggled to make? Was there anything that that kind of sticks out in your mind? A lot. <laughs> I think I'm being very honest. I mean, I'm a I'm a person. I'm a human. A lot every day. I mean, professionally, the decision sometimes I decide turns out to be disaster.、Um, marriage, right? Like marriage、right. is one thing.、Um, business is as well. But like I said.、Um, These are all your path, right? And then the, I think the best part is that you can see what can you learn from these path and these journey because it's what you learn from these journeys that makes you stronger. Then you also learn that formula how to deal with your next challenge. I I think that's the reason why、um, I'm this optimistic and I still smile every single day. Consider the challenges I face every day. You know the failures and the wrong decisions that I made for my life. It was very difficult. It was very painful. Sometimes what I would do is this is just my little personal trick. I would look at my calendar. I would count on the bad days. I would say, "Wow,、oh, today is already end of August. It's already mid August. So one, two, three. This was." Three more months until my next payday. So I would literally, like, you know, I actually make the the time shorter to allow myself to not be this, you know, scared about what's going to happen. Now, just to end on, we have some lighter, quickfire questions. So very short answers. Who inspires you in your work? My grandmother. What's the most important skill that a business founder needs to have? <sighs> This is a very tricky question. <laughs> That think of be a punching bag. You know, when you play boxing, you you get you punch it and then it bounces back. It bounces back. You have to have、mm. that. You have to have that resistance on the bottom of yourself. So when you get hit, you bounce right back. 
<laughs> I love that. I love it. Um, what's your favorite time of the work day? Don't say 4 a.m. <laughs> Um, no, no. I think it's my nighttime slash my downtime. I think that's when I, all my inspirations will come because during the day you associate with your team members, and then uh, when you get home, you have a seven-year-old mommy. This mommy, mommy. Oh man, I have a six-year-old. I know exactly what oh, you mean. Oh, you get oh, <laughs> oh yes, mommy. This mommy every day, every second. Yeah. Even when you're at, you're really trying to come up with an answer for the email re- response but then, then there's mommy this you can't uh, I'd say it is 11 o'clock at nighttime when I turn on my music and uh, when there's no sound other than the soothing music that's the best time to work what advice do you wish you'd listen to more carefully perhaps when you were younger be more patient I'm learning to be more patient now so I don't make more mistakes by making quick decisions. this applies to everything not just career What is something that you've changed your mind about in life? Mm, No, nothing. Really? (laughs) Nothing. Wow. Really nothing. Because there was a question that recently asked me, who who can influence you? My answer is probably the only answer, nobody. (laughs) 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 Me. (laughs) Is there anything that you want people to know about you that they don't? I can make a gorgeous meal. <laughs> I cook very well. Yes. What's your what's your special what's your special dish? I you know the Italian porchetta? I can definitely I can really make the skin super crispy and then the meat it's super juicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can turn a d- dining table like a uh, fine dining restaurant. It's good to hear. Very useful skill. Um, and is there one word that sums up your working style? My working style. I think I'm a great listener. Nobody treats me like a boss. I think there's definitely a difference between a leader and a boss. I consider myself a very good leader. I'm not a boss because um, boss can intimidate staff, but I lead people. So that actually gives myself more work. Sometimes uh, when I listen to a conversation, being a boss, you can easily stop them and tell them things that they don't want to hear. But because they're your staff, so they may have to listen to you, right? But being a leader is not. I like to listen to what they have to say. And then myself, is kind of like a computer, and then I process it. And then I will give you my feedback in a nice way that they can process better. That's me, my working style. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Well, I have to say, I really love speaking to Michelle. That is someone who is really easy to talk to. Very, very amiable and nice. But my goodness, that woman has a core of steel. She is a very efficient, very successful business leader. She talks about, you know, how you have to be a punching bag. You have to be resilient. You have to be able to just keep coming back and you have to remember that if you're failing, if things are going bad, it's always temporary, which, you know what, is a great lesson in life. Thank you for listening to Talking Success. You can find out more about Withers on their website, withersworldwide.com. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please follow us on your podcast app to get updates on the latest episodes or leave us a review. 
Next week, I'll be talking with Ronaldo Brutico about how he never settled on one career, how he co-founded the first company to offer pay cable TV services, and about what he is doing to address climate change. Talking Success is a Feast Collective production. The producer is Leo Schick, the executive producer is Kate Taylor, and I'm Asma Mayer. Goodbye.